So today I'd like to talk about um, what it's like being a stay-at-home mother in Brooklyn. But I mean, like, you know, oh, get, get out the trash. What'd you put in the trash? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unrefined Mama, the place where today I told my son that he needed to be careful because he was going to bust his face again. And he pretended to lay on the ground and bust his face. That's why, I mean, I've been gone for about two weeks. So the first week I was supposed to interview some friends of mine and it didn't pan out. And then um, when I was going to record last week, my son busted his lip and we had to go to the ER And the next day I had to go to the pediatrician. So um, I was really discouraged. The week before I was was discouraged about like life. And um, that that theme is going to continue in today. So um, I'm sorry for that. But, you know, thinking about this podcast and what I want it to be about really just brings me back to who I am as a person. And Who I am as a person is a caring um, person who's somewhat politically engaged and then also a mom. And so if you're a mother who's caring, compassionate, somewhat politically engaged, you're probably going to be paying attention to what's happening in the news. And I'd like to talk a little bit about some things that I haven't learned in school and some things that I have learned in school and how that relates till today. So what am I drinking? Well, let's be honest. I'm drinking Bell's Two-Hearted only because I made a beer for David called The Huntsman. And it turned out delicious. And he won't let me eat all of it, drink all of it. Isn't that nice? He won't let me drink all of it. So now, at this point in my life, I'm just kind of letting him call the shots. And you know what? I told him I was going to give him this beer. I was like, this is your beer. But um, I didn't really expect him to really want to drink it. I mean, usually he'll he'll just be like, oh, no, you can have it. But ne- this time he's like, no, no. So kudos to me for making a very nice beer. So let's take a sip of this Bell's Two-Hearted that, you know, I, I don't want to get away from this beer. I love this beer. And um, it's uh, got Centennial hops in it, and that's what I dry hopped the Huntsman with. And um, it's not as strong with the with the hop flavor, but there's just such a really nice crispness crispness to the Huntsman. And um, I'm just gonna pretend like I can't even pretend because they're so completely different. But you know, wish I was drinking it now. But there's only one bottle left, so. <laughs> I know I can. Otherwise, I will definitely be getting in trouble. So here's to uh, drinking beer for myself in the future. Let's take a sip. Mm. There's nothing ever wrong. There's nothing ever wrong with this beer. 
nothing. It just, it just, it insists upon itself in the best way. Um, so, um, I want to start off a little bit differently. And by differently, I don't mean like super differently. I just mean that like, I kind of want to start off telling a story. And I'm not quite sure how many of you know about this, but um, May 6th, 1882, uh, was when the Chinese Exclusion Act was signed into law by President um, Chester A. Arthur, which that name just really makes me think of crackers, like Chester A. Arthur crackers. But anyway, um, this was a um, immigration law that restricted um, Chinese immigration into America. And really, Chinese immigration started to boom when um, the gold rush happened. So the gold rush happened, and then uh, Chinese immigrants sort of moved west coast to California. Makes sense, right? And um, those people that were in California were like, I have family in China, should bring them in, right? Um, makes sense, right? <laughs> you know, if your mother is in France and, you know, she has, if a mother is in France and she has two or three uh, children, it would only make sense for the family to come with her. So um, I think we all know that a lot of families, um, the man or the woman will go some, the husband, or father, I mean, the father or the mother will go someplace, or maybe even the oldest son or the oldest daughter will go someplace and try to send money back to their family. There's nothing new about this. There's nothing. This has been since the beginning of time. You know, it's, well, not the beginning of time. It's since banks, because then you could, like, send money. Um, um, and reliable... Uh, uh, post offices, you know, but even then, you know, because um, I don't want to get on post offices because I actually love the post office. I think uh, USPS is doing a great job. Keep the work up. Um, but yeah, not to get off task. So what happened is, is that um, for, let's see, well, it was 1882 when the law was enacted. And then every 10 years, Congress had a chance to re-up the law. And um, it did so until, um, I think about, uh, in 1929. 1920, 1920s, let's say 1920s, where it was just basically permanent. Yeah, 1902, where it was just permanent, where it was just like, no, this is not going to be extended every 10 years. It's just going to happen. And what this did, in effect, was uh, really, well, I, I just watched a, a wonderful documentary on PBS about it, but what it did was just make life ridiculously hard for Chinese immigrants. 
and it restricted what they could do, and then their their civil rights were often um, uh, abused and often neglected completely. And uh, the Chinese community fought very hard to um, get these laws rescinded, you know, and they, they knew at the time, at the time they knew that they weren't going to be considered, uh, they weren't considered citizens. So what they did is they, did a, they couldn't vote. So what they could do is they could, you know, sue and then take that to the courts. But the courts at the time were backing up the laws and there was um, a law I don't remember what law was passed. Oh, it was about, um, there was a law that said you couldn't have a wooden, uh, you, you couldn't, like, wash your clothes. So you couldn't have a wooden uh, wash basin in your home. And people in your home were, like, in a, in, a, in a place of business or something. So what they did is about 260 people applied for this uh, permit to have this basin, this wooden wash thing for washing clothes in your in their house or in their establishment and 60 were filled and then the 200 were um were denied permits and I think I don't need to tell you that 60 the 60 went to white people and the 200 denied were Chinese um and then there was uh this guy who had a hard-on, that's the best way I can say it, had a hard-on for this whole, like, he didn't like Chinese immigrants, and so there was this um, native-born um, Chinese-American, which wasn't even a term then, but Chinese-American, who was born in America, obviously, and went to China a few times, and on his way back the second time, was told he could not come into the country and was denied access. And he sued and the government and the courts said that um, he was an, a citizen, right? Because they knew that if they went down this path, then Europeans um, who would Europeans who were um, also immigrants, children of immigrants, would have the same problem. So, Are we seeing are we are we seeing the patterns already? Are we seeing the patterns? It just yeah. So there were a lot of ways that um the Chinese fought and mostly it was through the courts. And um for a lot of these instances where they did take it to court, they lost. You know, there were a few wins, but mostly they lost. And the courts would say things like, "Well, you'd have to take that up with your legislature, knowing good and damn well that they couldn't vote." because they weren't considered citizens, you know? And they were, well, they were considered citizens, but they didn't have any rights, you know? And it was only during World War II when the Japanese um, invaded um, China. It always astounds me that Japan invaded China because Japan is an island and China is huge. And the, the thing that everyone says is, you know, like, don't invade Russia and don't get in land war in Asia or something like that. You know, it's like, you don't do it. But the Japanese, I'm pretty sure, and I, I'm going to have to check on this, invaded China twice. So, yeah. Um, but the Chinese invaded, the Japanese invaded China and were telling the Chinese, like, look, the U.S. does not care about you. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't care about you. They've got this exclusion, this Chinese exclusion act that, that takes away all your rights and does all this stuff. And so only then um, was the law repealed during World War II. And this is in 1943, people. Remember, 1882 is when it was enacted. And then 1943 was when it was repealed because they needed China as an ally against Japan. So, lesson for you, history lesson for you. Now, um, I'm going to take this a little bit further back as far as history, and I'm pretty sure that this is not going to be most some obscure history that, that they've kind of tried to, you know, uh, push under the rug. Also, also, just so you know, at one point, this Chinese Exclusion Act... Um, really uh, kind of um, was started to include anyone from Asia. So it didn't matter where in Asia you were from. At one point it was, it was just Chinese and then it was like anyone from Asia has this, can't, can't come in, can't come in. So um, recently I was reading a, uh, I think it was a Washington Post or a Wall Street Journal article on um, the separation of families during slavery and how, um, which I couldn't read all the way through because I began to cry, honestly. Um, some of the things that uh, this country has done, I mean, I, I can't even begin. We can't, we don't want to talk, most Americans don't want to have a conversation about it because it makes us, feel bad, um, but I have to say it, fuck your feelings, okay, <laughs> really and truly, um, history needs to be told over and over and over again so that it doesn't happen again. And now that we're 2018, where families are being um, set, like ripped apart, mothers from child, which that's, that is enough for me to to, I, I'm, I'm very upset. I, I, I couldn't imagine someone taking my child away. And it makes me just, just want to cry and kill someone at the same time. So I, don't e I can't even imagine how, how these parents are handling this right now. Because I can't even, I don't even want to put my body, my mind, my soul in that, in that sphere of... Thing. It's like I'm, it's, I'm upset. I need to take a drink. Otherwise, I'm just going to be crying. Hold on. So we've come full circle. And, and what we did during slavery, what we said we wouldn't do again, we've, we're doing again. And what we said we wouldn't do when it comes to immigration and restricting immigration and singling out certain people, we're doing again. And American cruelty, and only in these two aspects, because there's so much more to, to discuss, um, needs to be taught in schools all the time. And for some reason, we've decided as a society that we're only going to talk about the things that make us look good. 
We're only going to talk about the things that make us feel good. We've got social media. We've got, we've got, we've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. We've got Snapchat. We've got Twitter. We've got all the things that, and we only show the highlight reel. We don't show the the stuff that really is disgusting and really is heartbreaking. And when we see it, we say, oh, that's an isolated incident. But it's not, because we have a history of this cruelty. We have a history of, of being cruel to people we think are less than us. And at the end of the day, we're all humans, you know? We're all people, you know? We all wake up. We worry about our families, we worry about our jobs, we worry about feeding our families, we worry about being happy with making our loved ones happy, living a fulfilling life, and the fact that we think that some people are different than us because of the color of their skin or where they grew up or their religion is, is, the, most, is the most ridiculous thing. And, and, and the, the, the great poison of our world, honestly. The fact that this was born out of, like we have, we have the Holocaust that was born out of this, we have slavery that was born out of this, we have, we have the genocide of Native Americans that are born out of this, and, and this whole idea that one group of people knows what they're doing and have consistently proven over and over again that they are not the keepers of knowledge and that they are not the keepers of, of um, humane um, actions and humane um, moral standing. They are, they are not the keepers of moral standing, you know? And not just to say all white people suck, because that's making it ridiculous again. I'm talking about the people who have said this about themselves who know good and damn well that ain't true. If you're sitting up here saying, no, I believe that white people are better than black people, white people are better than Asians, white people are better than Mexicans, then you're just as dumb as anybody else living under a rock. You're, you know, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, that's, you know, you're, what makes this country great, what makes this country great are the, is the diversity are the people who are here, who go to work every day, who try to make their family's life better. It's not the people who own a yacht, okay? And not to say that they suck, but that's, that's not where you should be trying to land your ship. You know, that's not your aim, your goal. You're not supposed to be like, well, I want to make a lot of money, and that's going to make me happy. That's going to make you um, selfish, that's going to make you cruel. That's going to make you want to keep money from other people. Um, what I've learned from the beginning of time, of my time, that is, from my time, I've learned that greed is the source of all suffering. And the, when you want something someone else has, it's you being being envious, you being greedy, you wanting something, you know, this greed, this love of money, this love of notoriety, this love of, you know, whatever. And America has really and truly just been caught up in it and is saying to themselves, this is who we are. We only care about the rich, we only care about the powerful, and we only care about white people. 
And if you are black, if you are brown, if you are, if you are Muslim, if you are Hindu, if you are anything other than rich, white, and, and in a position of power, then, then really we don't owe you anything. You, you aren't owed anything. And that is 100% the antithesis of what this country was built on. And not to say like, and if somebody says to me, oh, well, there are a bunch of old white men who were owning slaves and were just as worthless as some people now, they aspired to something greater than themselves. They didn't think they were great. <laughs> they never said they were great. As a matter of fact, they couldn't get what they wanted done. They couldn't get slavery to go away at the time that, you know, um, they wrote the Declaration of Independence or the U.S. Constitution. They couldn't reach those goals. They wanted us to reach further, to reach higher, to attain the goals of equality for all. And here we are, 2018, people who are coming on a long journey from South America where there is rampant violence and they are trying to escape poverty, they are trying to escape violence, they are trying to escape um, for, to make a better life for their family, the American dream, and we take their children from them and lose them. I don't know, I don't know what to say. So, we need to do better. We have to do better. You know, if you are listening to this, I don't have very many followers, and that's okay. But if you're listening to this and you're in a, in a state that, you know, might is purple or is, or is red, even blue, it doesn't matter. Because some of these folks out, some of these Democrats, most of these Democrats out here are worthless. I, I hate the two-party system, and one day I'll talk about how much I hate it. But at this point in time, I'm just going to say, like, Democrats and Republicans are two sides of the same coin, you know? They're, just, they're, they're both worthless. They're only worried about being elected so that they can have a majority so that they can do what they want to do when they should be working with each other so that other... And, and we should have term limits, and they don't even want to vote themselves. Out. They don't even want to put term limits on the table because they don't want to leave office because they're, they're worthless. They're completely worthless. So don't even get me started on that. But if you're anywhere where a letter might matter, sit down, pin a letter on paper, and buy a stamp, and go to the USPS, and send that letter to your um, representative to let them know how much this is despicable, how despicable this is. And we could talk about administrations, and we could talk about Trump, and we could talk about Obama, all presidents are not going to be amazing, but this one in particular really is pretty bad. You know, I don't know if we can say he's Andrew Jackson, but to me, Andrew Jackson is the more, the worthless, the most worthless thing that I can even, you know, if I got to look back and say, who's, who's the worst? I got to say Andrew Jackson. Because the Trail of Tears happened, and he broke almost every treaty with the Native Americans. Don't even get me started. So we can't sit up here and say, you know, American cruelty 
this is something new. This is something that we've never done before. This is something that we've done before, and we need to do better. And we need to teach our children to do better. And that's why I'm talking about it. So this is me signing off. I want to let you know, though, that I have... um, my podcast on iTunes, Unrefined Mama on iTunes. So you can just look that up and live your dream. I also wanted to say that um, I will be doing a series of um, podcasts with my family. I'll be going to Michigan soon to see my grandmothers um, and my mom and my aunt. And I'm really excited because um, I've been I've been dying to um, get my grandmothers on my podcast. One is 97, and the other one, the, the other one, I can't tell you her age because she's gonna be so upset. Ugh. But um, so, um, and then my mother and my aunt. And so I'm very, very excited, and the series is gonna be called Strong Women. And so I'd really like you for to, to tune in on that because um, I'm gonna be talking about, and I've been, recognizing this is that race in America is something that I didn't think, well, of course I always knew it affected me and it affected me since I was young, but I never knew that I would, as a mother, be looking at it all the time. You know, I thought at this point in my life, we would have moved a little bit past it and we haven't, sadly. So I'm going to definitely be trying to discuss that with my um, my uh, family members, my mothers, my mother and my aunt and my grandmothers, and um, and talk about, you know, um, how they grew up. And it's, you know, not every, they're not going to live forever, so I'm really glad to um, chronicle this. So please tune in for that uh, next week. And um, again, have, well, I haven't said it yet, but you know, I think it, I think it already goes without saying, have a great week and, um, fight the good fight and uh, I'll see you next week.